Kiobo, how's it going? Bay Area Lucha Libre fans, I am Jesus Cruz, and this is Indie Handshake, Edición de Lucha Libre. And today, my special guest is none other than Bay Area OG veteran, uh, Chicano Flame. How you doing, brother? Very good, Jesus. Uh, it's a great honor for you to have me on here. Yeah. Tell my story. Um, hope everything's going Thank good. You. Hope you're keeping safe in these, uh, in these trying times. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, fam the family's good. Everyone's holding up good. Uh, there hasn't been no one sick uh, uh, close to me. Uh, so hopefully we'll keep it that way. And, and hopefully with uh, a few more months, hopefully this will run, run its course and uh, get back to, uh, to normal where we were before all this started. Yeah, for sure, man. I think everyone, everyone's ready to go back to that time. Um, so I like to start off with these as like kind of like how we met or the first time I remember meeting you was at a APW show in King City. This is in the year 2000. Uh, APW did, I think, a yearly show there out in King City. Do you uh -huh. remember that event? I think so. In King City, yeah. We've ran uh, several times there in King City at, at, the, uh, at the fairground, I think, if I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the first time that, uh, that I physically met you. Uh, do you remember okay, when yeah. we first met? No, I don't, I don't remember yeah. that. Sorry, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. It was, like I said, it was, it was in 2000 where I remember it was like, oh, there's a, uh, I didn't, I wasn't aware that APW had a, a Lucha Lord. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think around that time you were taking some time off, right? In 2000? You know, I, I did. Yeah. I was looking through my notes and just, uh, just seeing in those years, uh, how many injuries I had. It was like one right after the other that, that around 2000, I was just coming back from a, uh, from a torn Achilles tendon that I, that I, that I suffered in uh, 99 playing soccer. So uh, that almost took a good six to seven months to recover and, and get back, uh, get back to work at, at, at my, at my shoe job at mm -hmm. the fire department here in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And then just that much longer to get back in, into wrestling also. Yeah, that, was a, that, was, that seems like forever, man. That seems like forever ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 2000, yeah. Yeah. So uh, tell us, how, how did you first get uh, hooked on wrestling and, or, or Lucha Libre? How did I get hooked? You know, um, my family's from uh, Jalisco, Mexico. I was born in Ensenada. My family moved to, uh, to Ensenada. Uh, maybe in the uh, late 60s. Mm -hmm. I was born in 68 there in Ensenada. I think in the early 70s, we moved out here to San Francisco. And I remember my, my grandfather and, and uh, my mom's uh, side of the family was already, was already established here in San Francisco. So they would take care of us a lot on the weekends. And I remember seeing wrestling with my grandfather, maybe the uh, the early 70s, mid 70s, watching wrestling with him in, in the living room on a, on a big screen, not big screen, but a big, uh, big console uh, TV. Okay. And, and that's where, yeah, that's where uh, I first got introduced to wrestling, to seeing it, and uh, and I guess fell in love with it there. What uh, what promotion was it? Oh, uh, it was our local promotion back then. You only had one one choice. Mm -hmm. It was uh, back when uh, when Roy Shire was was running the the cow palace and i guess it was under the N nwa banner but it was it was his promotion yeah okay who were your favorite uh, your favorites uh my favorites of course uh it was pepper gomez just because he was a latino or, or a mexican guy uh someone that I, I could see myself uh myself as and, and rooting for him but i remember moondog main was one of my favorites also you know i guess growing up you always you always uh well, at least not always, but sometimes you always go for the for the baby faces, you know. Yeah. And and yeah, and those were the top baby faces at the time. I think, I, yeah, uh, Ray Stevens and uh, Pat Patterson also. But they were they're always kind of switching back and forth. But, but I remember, yeah, uh, uh, Pepper Gomez mostly was a uh, was the guy that I was rooting for all the time there. Yeah, yeah, I had the opportunity to meet Pepper a couple of times. Um... The last one of the last times I ever saw him was uh, before he passed over at um, he used to come by the Pro Wrestling Iron uh, training. Mm -hmm. training school. He'd come in and catch a show once in a while or just come in and talk. So, yeah, he was always always a very nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I got to meet him in in 95. Right. When I got to APW, they, they did uh, they did like a like a little special ceremony for all these old timers. And Pepper Gomez was there. Ray Stevens, uh, Kinji Shibuya, uh, Red Bastine, Alexis Smirnoff, another guy that I. I saw a lot over there, uh, Moondog Moretti, 
some other old timers that I, I didn't really uh, I didn't really remember. Yeah. But then there was a bunch of all of uh, all of all of the guys that were there at APW at that point in '95. Yeah. And I was one of, one of the newer guys, one of the younger guys, but just it was just a great opportunity at that point to meet all these guys that I had grown up seeing on TV. Yeah. And then in, and then in '90, no, in uh, in 2016, I want to say he got inducted, or maybe, or, or, or 2018, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. His family was there here, into the North oh. Hall of Fame. His family was there, and uh, they let me try on his jacket, one of his ring jackets. And, oh, nice. and, yeah, and the sensation that I got putting that thing on, it just gave me chills, like all over, all over my body. It was just like like a crazy feeling yeah. to feel him through the jacket. Yeah. That I was putting on it was it was amazing that feeling that rush and that uh that chills and tingling that I got just from uh from wearing something that was his did you did you get the feeling of the iron stomach <laughs> the cast iron stomach the cast iron stomach yeah uh-huh that's right yeah yeah, yeah I think I got that now <laughs> hey, when was the first time that you saw lucha libre lucha libre um let's see around that time in the seventies uh we would visit a lot. My my tia's house that lived uh, another place here in the city, and she had cable, and on, on whatever specific night that was, um, the wrestling from the Olympic Auditorium would be on. I don't know if she had cable, but she had some 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 different channels that we that we didn't have the other. We just had like the basic channels, but mm-hmm. she had something else, maybe Univision or whatever it was called back then. Mm-hmm. But they would get wrestling from the Olympic Auditorium. Okay. And and back then, yeah, there were the Scorpion Brothers. I remember they had mascaras on. Every once in a while, they, they would they would uh, they would show a few guys from Mexico with masks, me mascaras, psicodélico. Uh, but the Scorpion Brothers are the two that I remember the most, and that's when I got introduced to, to more than just one one uh, Mexican star on on the on the wrestling. You know, there was mostly everyone. Uh, the other Guerreros were there, Chavo Guerrero, and, and all his brothers, Mando, Hector. Uh, another great group group that I liked was uh, Black Gorman, the Great Goliath. For some reason, they were they were heels, but I I really enjoyed mm. enjoyed their their characters, and 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 that's where I kind of got introduced more into uh, into the lucha style of it. And then, like every summer, we would, we would drive down to Mexico, and and down there in Mexico, I, I would see like in all the corners they would have all the news magazines, all the little stands, and and seeing all the little pictures of the Lucha Libre magazines and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, I, I would buy some of those. I'd get my parents to buy me one, and, and that's right, kind of where I, I learned to read Spanish uh, on the trips back from Mexico, back up here to San Francisco, trying to spell out the words and see what, what the what they were talking about. Besides just the pictures, y que ya ves, y, yeah, y, y lo conoces, or yeah, yeah. So th- th- that was kind of my introduction, and and that's where I kind of saw all the masks. And kind of fell in love, fell in love with the with the mask gimmicks. So this was, and this was back in when you were going back and forth from Ensenada to the Bay Area, right? San Francisco, yeah, yeah. Back in the in the yeah the mid seventies, yeah, late seventies, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would we would make a trip down there every summer down to Ensenada to, to visit the family down there, and and on the way back, yeah, that's right. I, I would learn, yeah, yeah. I would learn to read Spanish uh, through those magazines and. And be able to pick up uh, the magazines when I was down there. You know, they only costed a couple of pesos back then. Yeah, but it was great. Yeah, yeah. So even though you were born in Ensenada, uh, your uh, Spanish is not necessarily uh, your strong point in language, right? It's English. I, I would say so. Yeah, uh, Spanish. I, I never went to school for mm-hmm. to learn proper Spanish. I learned it at the house with my mom. You know, yelling at me with <laughs> mm-hmm. throwing stuff at me or whatever. Yeah. So, so, so I would say, yeah, but my Spanish is sometimes it's, it's kind of mocho, like they say, because mm-hmm. I never really went to school to learn the proper, the proper way to speak Spanish. It was just all, all, all at home. I, I started kindergarten here in San Francisco and, and started, started my whole education here in the city. Yeah, do you find like getting it or like when you discovered Lucha Libre, when you started uh, donning a mask, do you feel like that kind of connected you more to like your, 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 uh, your roots down in, in Mexico? Oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And that's one of, one of the things, yeah, when, when I first started uh, uh, getting into it, that's what I wanted to represent. I wanted to represent that style to the, to the people that were here because uh, there wasn't that many, that many uh, 
uh, style of wrestlers or the look of it here here in in the in the states. Even 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 in the seventies and eighties, there wasn't that many that many masked uh, wrestlers, and especially uh, Mexican wrestlers that were here. Yeah, you know, besides me, Mascara is probably probably the one of the only ones that uh, that made the trip to to the states and everywhere else in the seventies and eighties. There was he was a more popular one. Besides the guys that lived along the border, I'm sure down in 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 uh, in Texas in 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 Gory Guerrero's uh, um, promotion, Otelli Blanchard's dad's promotion down there in Texas. They probably have more guys that came across. Yeah, uh, with the mass, maybe maybe down in LA too, a little bit closer down there. Yeah, but up here, yeah, up here we didn't we didn't have any for for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing how how long it took uh, for lucha libre or luchadores in general to migrate to the Bay Area and start you know and start working up here. Uh, so speaking of like starting working, how did you uh, find out about a school or or how did you get involved in and actually started training to be a wrestler? Actually training. I think it was 1995, uh, watching uh, the wrestling, you know, in the evenings. I forgot what it was. It was probably, I'm not sure if the Raw, if the Wars were still on, the Monday Night Wars were still, and maybe not. That's probably maybe. when they were first starting to, starting uh -huh. to hit a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in, in that hour, between that hour, they would show commercials of, uh, of a wrestling school opening up in Hayward. And that finishing maneuver, absolutely incredible. Hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Don't just watch wrestling. Live your dreams. Call the All Pro Wrestling Boot Camp today. All Pro Wrestling. I said, oh, man, I always wanted to do this. And now there's a school right here in the Bay Area. Before that, I, I knew nothing. I, I didn't know there was any wrestling scene here in the Bay Area. If not for this commercial, and I remember I, I called it up. I, I wrote down the number, called it up, set an appointment uh, the first time that I was supposed to go. But then uh, we just had a long night with all the fellas and everything. And, and uh, I guess it was a Friday night, Saturday morning rolled up. And I was in like a no shape to, uh, uh, to try to show my face out there and, and, and show up for this, uh, for this appointment that I had made. <laughs> yeah. And that was, and then, with, was that with Roland? That was a rolling, yeah. That was at APW. That was the only thing uh, going around. That was the only, the only promotion that I knew of, at least that I knew of, uh, or that I heard of here in the Bay Area. Yeah, and we're talking. And about, I, yeah, sorry, we're talking about Roland Alexander, who was the original owner of uh, All Pro Wrestling. Yes. Uh huh. And uh, and maybe a month, or maybe uh, yeah, maybe a month went by after I, I didn't go to that appointment, and and I would keep seeing the videos, the uh, commercials again. And then finally set up another appointment to go down there. <laughs> and, and this time I did show up. This time I did show up, and they had us run, uh, run a couple miles uh, from, uh, from the garage all the way down to the, <laughs> to the uh, whole end of the block where, uh, where you would come into that area, that industrial area of Hayward, and come back or run uh, wind sprints and, uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't think they, they got us in, into the ring at all. They, they just kind of saw if we were fit you know, uh, what kind of condition we had to, uh, to see if we wanted to make it or not. So who were, who were some of your uh, instructors and how was, how was training? How was training like besides the, the cardio? Yeah, the guys that I really learned from <clears throat> that were running the show was uh, Mike Modest, uh, Robert Thompson, uh, Mike Diamond. You know, he's, he's changed his name several times. Uh, uh, Max Justice, I guess, uh, the last time that he was working. Yeah, Max Justice. Uh, Matt, Matt Heisen, which uh, turned out to be uh, Spike Dudley. Mm -hmm. I would say those guys and, 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 uh, and Frank, uh, Frank Murdoch. I would say those five guys basically were the ones that ran the show. Even though Rick, Rick Thompson was uh, advertised as a head trainer, he showed up every once in a while. But basically those, those five guys that I, that I mentioned were the ones that really uh, that I learned a lot from. I learned the beginnings from. And and they were the instructors that ran uh, the ran the in ring part of uh, the World Pro Wrestling back then in in ninety six ninety five. 
And when was your uh, – what year was your debut match, and what was your character's name? Did you start at Chicago Flame, and who was your opponent or opponents? Yeah. Um, after starting training in, in September, after four months in January, yeah, they got us in the ring already, you know. It was kind four of kind of cool. Yeah, four months in, in January 96. No. They had us do a show. I, I don't know, just because uh, there wasn't that many people, that many uh, – workers there you know that they just needed to, to get a few more people in there and they thought you know we would be ready just to uh just to be another body up there and and uh most of the time it, it would be just for uh for battle royal matches mm-hmm. but i think that that one uh it was me and and jaime that we were doing a one-on-one match and and it wasn't chicano flame back then yeah i, I hadn't thought of the idea of the of the gimmick yet I had a Rayo de Jalisco mask, and I took the, the Rayo off the front and just left the white eyes, and I called myself uh, El Negro Loco. <laughs> okay. Because it was just simple. I just took that off. I had some black tights, and uh, I think I even borrowed some boots, <laughs> some like some Indian-looking boots from Chris Cole. And uh, it was, yeah, some, uh, some black uh, uh, sweatbands on my, on my wrist, and, and uh, yeah, it was El Negro Loco. Oh, we went up there maybe the beginning of the match, the beginning of the show, and, and we exchanged a couple of arm drags and headlocks. And then Joe Applebaumer comes in, comes in, I guess he had been suspended or something, and he was making his way back mm. to the promotion. He jumped in the ring there, and we kind of looked at him. We rushed him. He kind of knocked us down, gave us his big, uh, the Apple, the Apple bomb, power bomb move mm-hmm. of both of us, yeah, and just kind of laid us out right there. So that was uh, – that was my first match. Oh, man, that's cool, man. Yeah, and then, and then uh, back then Mike Diamond came in. Another big guy, he came in to make the save and confront him and set up something for, the, for later on. For the, that was my first, uh, my first match at, uh, at APW. And it this was, was a, short, it was a short, short one. I think this was in Fairfield, I want to say. Oh, it was in Fairfield. So it wasn't at the garage? It was not at the garage, no, no. I don't think we were doing shows there. At the garage, uh, at the garage just yet, yeah. How? I think, we're, yeah, I think we're still going out in little little spots here and there, doing shows away from uh, from the garage until that, that started off. I think later on that year, in 96, we started the APW gym, the gym wars there at the garage. What year did the school start at APW? At the school, man, I, <clears throat> I want to say it wasn't much uh, – much before I started, like I said, I started September 95. I started seeing the commercials that summer. And, and by that point, there was maybe one or two classes that I'd gone through. So I would say either 94 or early 95 that uh, APW uh, started. Yeah, the Roland saw his vision and, uh, and oh. started the school that gave everyone in the Bay Area an opportunity to uh, live, live their dreams, which is which is what, what I was doing, yeah, as a kid. I loved wrestling and uh, the Lucha Libre, the mass and everything, and that's what I, that's what I wanted to do. I remember, like, in, in middle, middle school, I wrote a paper saying that I wanted to be a luchador when it was, it was like the day of, oh, what do you want to be? What do you want to grow up to be? Oh, wow. And, yeah, that's what I wrote mine on. <laughs> yeah, not a fireman, not a policeman, not an astronaut. Not, mine was on, a, on, a, on wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, you still have that or no? Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. That was in middle school, yeah. No, I don't know what what happened to that paper. But, yeah, I, I remember that. And, of course, yeah, everyone kind of laughed or whatever. You know, they kind of made jokes or whatever. Yeah. The kids back then. Because <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't as popular. This was probably uh, the late 70s. It wasn't as popular as, as it, as it uh, later on in the years it came, came out to be, yeah, that everyone was watching it. I think you just had to be a fan back then to uh, to really uh, dig it and and get into it. <laughs> yeah. Before the Hokamania <laughs> years. Yeah. Uh, so the name Chicano Flame. When did you start using it, and how did it come about? And talk to us about the design of your mask. Uh, after using uh, Negro Loco, because I was a heel, because Jaime was a, a good guy, and then uh, and then I started using a Mil Mascara's mask kind of the same eyes and, and the and the five stripes up on the forehead. But instead of the M, I took it off and I made a, a heart, a red heart on it. 
It was a white mask with the, I think, black, black uh, eyes mm-hmm. and a red heart. And I started calling myself El Corazón de Mexico. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. As a uh, as a baby face going up against a uh, against the guys there until I was able to uh, to uh, send away to Mexico City to uh, the Portes Martinez to get my first two masks uh, made from uh, from from uh, those people there. That they they are a big part of uh, of the lucha scene in Mexico. They were one of the first ones that uh, yeah. that, uh, that made masks down there from Mexico. So I got my first two masks, and it was kind of the same. It was a uh, like a design of being mascaras in, in the front because that, that was my favorite guy growing up. Mm-hmm. And except I, nothing in the front or nothing in, on the top of the head. But over here I had a, an eagle, like of the old uh, the old stuff that Echon Mexico signed. It was oh, labeled yeah. in a lot of stuff. Yeah, so it was like an eagle of that. And over here I had a, uh, another eagle that, was, uh, that I got it from the U.S. post office. It kind of looked more American. So okay. that was my Chicano-American... Yeah. Mexican American uh, uh, tribute to uh, to the name Chicano Flame, and I, I wanted to incorporate it, incorporate uh, the Chicano. You know, growing up in the city in the seventies and eighties, there were still a, a lot of uh, a lot of raza that lived in the mission. You know, that's where we grew up. We grew up right right there in the mission. So, you know, I grew up seeing all the cholos and seeing all the all the vatos and all the OGs, and and you know, when you grow up, you see all that, and that's what that's what kind of you want to be because. These guys are dressed sharp, and they got some nice ladies on their side. The cars, the lowriders were, were the bomb back then, you know. And uh, and and for some reason, yeah, Chicano always stood out to me that that's a uh, Mexican American. And then just to interrogate, interrogate both both of the American and the Mexicans in in the name, and then the flame part, I kind of played around with it. I I, I thought of uh, going with the. Uh, which Chicano Heat, which I think around that time Harlem Heat was around, was more like a tag team. So yeah. I kind of stayed away from that. And Chicano Blaze, and <laughs> and and I settled for Chicano Flame just because of the fire part that I was doing at that point. I already had uh, maybe six years as a San Francisco fireman in uh, under my belt. So okay. I kind of wanted to incorporate some kind of fire into into the name yeah, to kind of represent the, represent that. Yeah, Chicano Flame. Uh, is what stood out. <laughs> yeah. And you are current, you're currently active as well, right? Yes. I, I got 31 years now with the San Francisco fire department. Uh, looking to go one more year, maybe before I, I make my retirement from there. Right on, man. But, but, but that mask, yeah, that was my first mask that I, my first designs that I had made. Yeah. And then <clears throat> I made my way to Guadalajara, uh, met some other mask designers out there. A boot guy got out there too. That I, they kind of got my first boots and my first mask out there. And and the guy out there, he kind of changed the. Uh, I kept the, the main mascara's eyes, antifas on my mask, but then he changed the uh, the eagles into something more round, with a red, white, and blue, and a green, white, and red on, on the sides there. And then I, I wore that for uh, for a couple of years. Uh, that that design of my mask, not knowing not knowing too much about wrestling and. and uh, and and the copyrights of the mask and all that, that mm-hmm. you know that uh and then and then later on we had some shows with with some more mexican guys I remember Rey Mysterio, the father or not the, but the uncle See, the original one being one of them yeah and he saw my mask and he was like no mijo you should make something uh more more your own you know don't don't copy these guys you know make something that that's going to represent you or, the, or the, that's going to stand out he was saying, "Yeah, no, Vin Mascaras is uh, he's very strict, and he, he's had other guys uh, take their masks off, wearing uh, something even similar to his design, and I'm over here wearing his design on my mask." Yeah, and and yeah, he he was kind of cool because then we did a show. I, I ended up driving him around to the airport and back and forth, and and um, after the show, I dropped him off at the at the uh, at his hotel. That morning when I went to go pick him up to take him back to the airport, he hands me like these four designs of a mask that he had he had drawn out in the hotel that I still have them. Four designs of a mask, and then that's uh, I got an inspiration from one of the, the designs that he gave me. Okay, it's kind of what I what I have now a little bit. <laughs> it's kind of changed a little bit over 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 the years, but mostly it's kind of the same thing. He, he had like a neat. He had like the same eagle here. The eyes were a little bit different, but up here he had like wings coming up from here, 
here into here, they were more like a like a like a like a eagle wings. And then that's where I got the idea to make it like a firebird and make it a put some flames on the on the wings to make it more like a firebird, which is kind of kind of a, of a San Francisco uh, uh, theme because on the San Francisco flag, it's a phoenix rising from the ashes. Okay, so it ties all it into the city. Yeah, so it did. It did kind of tie it in after that. After I saw that, it kind of made sense. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the from the from the '06 uh, earthquake and fire. Yeah. They make this uh, on the San Francisco flag. If you ever see it, it's a phoenix rising from the ashes. So nice. That's a very. So there you go. Yeah, and then just lady, yeah, from a designer, they just made more different uh, variation of the eyes with more fire and kind of wanted to keep the same designs on the side here. Yeah. See, a lot of people don't think that there's a lot of thought that goes behind the design. There's a lot of like that's a deep story that you just told us just from your mask, you know? Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Um, so did, was APW the only place you were working at that time at Chicano Flame or, or were, did you branch out to other promotions? Uh, no, I, I would say from like from 96 to 90, 98, 99, there wasn't that many other promotions uh, here in the Bay Area. Did I remember we worked for uh, Big Time Wrestling? They must have just been started around the same time in 96 that I remember we my, myself and a couple other guys, uh, I think Modest and and, and uh, maybe Thompson and, and Frank Murdoch, we were their main event. I got a couple shows that they ran. They had their own, a few guys at, at the bottom of the card and mid cards. There were some of their 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 uh, I guess prospects of the school at that point, and and they had us students from APW doing the main event uh, matches for Big Time Wrestling under their banner, Big Time oh. Wrestling. And I think in '86 too, we worked for uh, for Incredible Strength Wrestling. They were they were just starting, mm -hmm. maybe. And uh, you know their their story. They were just more out to have fun. That I would say, uh, maybe one or two of the guys were were professionally trained. Not all of them were trained, so they yeah. brought in a couple of guys from APW to, uh, I guess, to give it a little bit more believable the matches and have a little bit more professional matches. Uh, uh, on the show, and of course, being a masked guy, would kind of fit it. That fit it into the SPW, the SPW uh, 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 look. Yeah, I, I was brought in okay. to work some matches there, and we had some good matches. Yeah, it was always a sellout crowd at the Transmission Theater down there on Eleventh and uh, in Folsom. Okay, they also did a lot of uh, like uh, rock shows, right? I think, I think they. Would I think they did. Yeah, yeah. Later on, they started branching out and doing and doing more rock shows, going around the country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that was my my introduction to Incredible Strange Wrestling. But then, we, when we started going, we started going with Roland, and and he he had, I guess he had the contract or whatever the negotiations going on with them. I guess what he would, what they would pay us. And then somehow there was a, some kind of a disagreement, and then we were banned. Oh, you guys are not allowed to go work for for these guys anymore. And and being that it was right here in San Francisco, my hometown, I kind of went out. Went out on my own and reached out to them and started doing shows with them, but not under Chicano Flame. I started doing it under the name of Negro Guerrero. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're kind of, kind of trying to hide my identity <laughs> and try to, yeah, do, bots. and try to do, yeah, yeah. So then later on, yeah, I started doing shows with them under that name there, yeah. which I wrestled a lot with, uh, with Shane Dynasty back then. I mm -hmm. think he had the gimmick of Astro Zombie 2000, something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, Chris Cole and his brother were there, yeah. And Flaco Loco was there at that point, yeah. Flaco, yeah. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of guys, uh-huh. But besides uh, APW, I want to say those were the initially, like, the only promotion that I heard of in San Francisco. Okay. Or, or the Bay Area, yeah, yeah. What about until other later, – oh, sorry, go ahead. Until, until later on, yeah, like, uh, like I mentioned, uh, Big Time Wrestling uh, showed up. Uh, later on, this other guy from, uh, I think from back east, he tried to run a few shows, but there were shows down in, uh, like in Santa Barbara area, King City area, that he kind of pulled everyone from APW. I think it was all, all APW guys that, uh, that he was working with. He ran a couple of shows, but then uh, nothing ever happened of, uh, happened to, out of that guy. Do you remember the name of the promotion? Yeah, yeah, I do. It was, uh, it was like Ultimate. 
Ultimate Wrestling Championship, something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of that. Yeah, like I said, he, he didn't he didn't stick around too much, but um, you know, he talked pretty good. He had an he had an NWA belt. He said he was connected with the NWA Association. I want to say I want to say his number his name was like Pritchard, but it wasn't Tom or Bruce. It was like some other some other guys that I looked him up and he he had his time up in uh, in the pro wrestling. I think he was rookie of the year one year in the mid eighties. Okay. Yeah, he's got some kind of background. Yeah, but initially it, it sounded good that he, he had he had the, the NWA belt and and uh, I remember that trip was a fun trip. And he, he promised that we were going to get on TV. He was going to get a TV contract down there and this and that. And, yeah, like I said, we ran a couple of shows for him, and, and then that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that story happens a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you promised. Uh, you promised, or they say a lot of things. Yeah, this is going to take off. You, yeah. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, and sometimes it's a little bit longer. But, uh, yeah, but things don't work out for them or whatever. So for yourself, um, I mean, you you have the Lucha Libre look, but you consider yourself more of being American style, like trained, correct? Yes. yes. Your training is American style. When did you start learning or incorporating more Lucha Libre uh, into your uh, moveset? Into my movesets? I would say uh, around 2006, 2007 is Mm -hmm. when I, uh, I met the guys from Victor. From Victor Ortiz, uh, the promoter for uh, for Promo Lucha Azteca. Mm-hmm. I remember we were doing some gym war shows, and they, I don't know who brought them or how they got in contact with Roland, but some of his guys ended up doing a match there, like a four-on-four lucha, mask, lucha match there. And then after the show, I, I started talking to them, and I started hooking up with them, and uh, and uh going and doing uh, some wrestling classes mm-hmm. with them, which was at, at the, uh, at that boxing ring there on a mission. And hey, on hey, Hayward, which yeah. Was, yeah, the arena it Hayward. Karate and boxing, yeah. Yes, yes, uh-huh, yeah, we would go there and, and, and do classes there. And then, yeah, he moved on to another spot, but, uh, but that, that was my, that was my introduction to the, uh, to the lucha, lucha style. Then from there, I learned, oh, Lucha works on the right side of the, of the body. Yeah. American works on the left side of the body. Yeah. But before that, just through my magazines and, and stuff, I, I would uh, I, I would look at, at Lucha moves and try to and try to work on, on a couple holds uh, in the matches uh, before that time. Okay. Like in the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, it was just all looking at magazines and maybe a, a videotape or, or, or two of uh, of, of me Moscow's working. Working, trying to work his style and trying to see the moves that he made and the holes that, that he that he put on and try to work on, on on copying his moves to add to my to my style then. Okay. All right. So yeah, that was the first time that you um that worked an actual luchador from Mexico was at Victor's. Was at Victor's, yes, yes. Did you were you uh how did you feel? Did you feel kind of Kind of weird because, like you said, the lockup is different. A lot of things are different. Was it difficult to communicate with your opponent? Yes, it was. Yeah, I, I, I always, uh, I always wanted to shoot my, uh, my left arm out at him. <laughs> you know, ended up poking a couple guys in the eye, hitting them in the shoulder, <laughs> bang, <laughs> yeah, bang hands up, bang hands a lot. Yeah, just trying to remember what side to give him <laughs> initially for the lockup was yeah. hard, and then, and then just the moves. The name of the moves I never I never knew them yeah. before I always knew them knew them in English and, and then they're coming up with these American uh, with these Mexican uh, yeah and names of the moves that I had no idea what do you want and then uh, the suplexes would always mess me up for a long time because their suplexes was an arm drag yeah so they were called a suplex which was an arm drag and that would always throw me off <laughs> uh, so you but you did you know obviously once you worked more on that style you kind of you know, understood, okay, you know, these guys work like that. And you got to work a couple of uh, um, big names or, like, uh, I remember seeing you in uh, an event uh, where you worked uh, Mascara Sagrada. Uh, I think it was at that Facebook show for Butch. I believe it was um, – he was a promoter. So any other uh, names that you got to work that you used to watch on TV now you're working with these guys? Yeah. Uh, my first one. 
Well, besides meeting, meeting a lot of guys, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Ray Stevens, Pepper Gomez in person, but the first guy that I, I got in the ring with, with Matt, was Manny Fernandez okay. at APW probably like in 97, 98. He kind of came uh, through APW for a while and, and, uh, and was uh, one of the trainers or, or he was always there, always around APW for, at, at that point. Yeah, and I got to do a match with him, which was uh, – which was cool because then growing up and having having uh, TBS on TV, I would always see Manny uh, on TBS, uh, NWA, teaming with, with Rick Rude or with uh, or, or with Jimmy uh, the Boogie Woogie Man. Jimmy Valiant, yeah, Jimmy Valiant, yeah. So that was a big star, one of the one of the the big stars that I was uh, impressed and and uh, uh, to be in the ring with, working with him. And then, like you said, later on, uh, guys that I, I that I wrestled, uh, Mascara Sagrada was one of them, uh, El Gallo Tapado, one of the Huracan Ramirez. Uh, Super Parka match was great. That was for Fox City Wrestling. Oh, nice. I got to go one-on-one with a Super Parka, yeah, that after after learning about his his uh, his background and who he yeah. was. And, the original and Volador. Yeah, Volador before that, yeah. No. And learning his family and where he came from, you know, uncle of uh, the original La Parca, yeah. the L.A. Park now, and just all the sons and stuff that, that they've got put through the business now. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that, that, that was a great opportunity working with him. Yeah. Yeah, I got I to see him in San Francisco uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Volador uh, Sr. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, due, you know, his age and, you know, the, the abuse that his body's taken, you know, unfortunately he wasn't moving very, very much, but it was just an honor to see him because he was one of my, alongside with Misterioso, they were my favorite tag team back, back then. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember all those, all those, uh, they came up around that time, the Familia of Tijuana and all those, all, all those, all those people yeah. back there. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of Familia de Tijuana, I'm glad you brought him up because, uh, your, your theme song that you come out to is Oye Como Va, you know, Carlos Santana. Yes. Very, very much a Chicano song that the Familia de Tijuana also uses. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. That's what they're known for. Did you ever, have you ever been in a show where you both are booked and you're like, well, who's going <laughs> to who's who's gonna gonna play that one? Yeah. No, you know, I started using that song since I, since I uh, was pretty much uh, Chicano Flame was born. Yeah. Before that, when I, when I went under uh, Negro Loco and, and Corazón de Mexico, I would use some uh, Vicente Fernandez uh, mariachi Okay. Mariachi music, yeah, uh, to come out for, especially uh, especially as Corazón de Mexico, one of the Vicente Fernandez songs about, uh, yeah, El Mexicano or something, Viajando por el Mundo. Mm-hmm. And, 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 yeah, I kind of like that because uh, <clears throat> back then when we would go to these small towns down the 99, you know, down Highway 99 or up north to Ukiah, I, I would see a, a lot of raza, a, a lot of, a lot of Mexican people in in the fans that they would come out. You know, we're all all the Mexicans are, are big uh, lucha lucha and wrestling fans. That I would see them in the crowd. So I, I would I would uh, yeah play that just for them. You know, for them to fire up fire up the crowd and, and uh, as a tribute to to my own background and and to those guys there that I'm sure they're probably gone and all they hear is it's, it's all uh, it's yeah. all uh, was American hard rock stuff uh, uh, blaring on over the speakers there. Yeah. I think it made them feel good to to hear to hear the to hear, uh, guitar riff, yeah, <laughs> the, the trumpets and all that. But but Oye Como Va, um, Carlos Santana, it's my dad's first cousin, so that kind of oh okay. kinda, yeah yeah. My my dad is a is is a Santana. My grandmother Teresa Santana was a was a, was a sisters to Carlos's dad Jose Santana. So and there's a big a, there's a big huh. They're all from Jalisco. They're from Jalisco, exactly. Like I said, my family was from Jalisco, from Altlan, Jalisco. Altlan, yep. Yeah, yeah. My dad was born in uh, El Grullo, Jalisco, not too far from there. My mom's yeah. from Limón, Jalisco. So, yeah, so, so Carlos Santana was a, is a family member. We've, I've met him once or twice. You know, uh, my dad wasn't that close to him. He was closer to one of his older brothers. But uh, once I knew that, yeah, I knew I had to play that song because it was part of, uh, part of my family. Yeah, awesome. Man. And, I didn't and, knew that. Yeah, and being from San Francisco, that he, you know, he he uh, he took off here in San Francisco in the Mission District. Uh, it, it even represented him more, 
me being from the same place that he was at and, and being so close as a family that that was the, that was the song of the F that I chose to uh, nice to play as my intro. Yeah, I kind of like the, the dun, 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 dun. Yeah. No, very, yeah. very yeah. iconic. I very remember iconic I, would, I, would hit, I would hit that curtain once he, he started. I would let that play off and, and say, oh, yeah, come on, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, oh, yeah, come on, you know, is up, you know, up there with like Lowrider and like Suave. Mm -hmm. So when you hear those songs, it's like, yeah. you immediately think of Chicanos, you know. Oh, uh, there you go. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and then later on, another song came out that I, that I really enjoyed was This Is For La Raza. Oh, Kid, uh, Kid Frost? Kid Frost, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed the lyrics on that, too. And, and uh, I, would, I would throw that in there every once in a while. Yeah. This is for La Raza, yeah. That was, that was my introduction uh, to hip-hop when I was a kid. I had the... Uh, oh, yeah? Huh? I, I, I took it from my cousin. He had a cassette, the Kid Frost cassette. <laughs> it was a single, La Raza. And I, I remember... Oh, yeah? Huh? Yeah, I was like maybe seven years old, maybe. I, don't, I forgot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But... Yeah, um, yeah. What has been so far uh, one of your most memorable moments in pro wrestling? Uh, I would say, yeah, lately there's been a few, you know, uh, getting inducted into the North Cal Hall of Fame in 2017. It's got to be uh, one of the, 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 uh, the biggest accomplishments or privileges that, I, that I've had to, to get recognized by my peers. Uh, uh, to get placed in, in that Hall of Fame with all the other beginners and legends of, 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 of professional wrestling here in Northern California. That kind of means a lot to me, you know, that, uh, that I was one of the first ones uh, probably with, with this style of, of Lucha that kind of, that kind of uh, represented the La Raza here in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I would say that that's gotta be the, one of the top honors uh, uh, getting to wrestle at the Cow Palace. Uh, Mm -hmm. lately for uh for all pro wrestling and and getting my hand raised at that battle royal there uh i want to thank that the people that uh that made that possible you know that that was a great accomplishment there being as a kid going to the cow palace you know besides watching on tv back in the in the mid 70s my uncle used to take us to the cow palace to watch to watch these guys live and that's you know besides watching on tv that's where i got bit by the bug watching these guys uh like I said, Moondog Man, Pat Patterson, Ray Stevens, Pepper Gomez, Kenji Shibui, or those guys watching watching it live, uh, being in the seats of the Cal Palace to actually being in the ring under the lights in the, in the locker room, and then to get my hand raised at at the Battle Royal, which I, I had seen so many Battle Royals, you know, growing up there that I, I never would have imagined that I would have been there, you know, uh, 40 years later, 30 years later, uh, being in that spot. That's, that's a Cal awesome. Palace, yeah. And that's what that was their staple. That was what they were known for. Was their legendary battle, you know? It was their battle royals? Yes, battle royals. yeah. You to win it, man. That must have felt like you said earlier. You know, you put that uh, Pepper Gomez jacket on, like yeah, yeah. You felt you felt something. Now imagine getting your hand raised in the uh huh. Know, yes. The yeah. Rules of, of wrestling here. That, that was great. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about one of your favorite road stories or or stories from the locker room? Um. Road stories, I would say back in, in around 99 or so, yeah, uh, 89, we, we did a trip down to, uh, to San Diego to wrestle at Camp Pendleton out there. And uh, my parents had a van. I, I was able to get the van and, and uh, piled up about six guys, mm -hmm. six, six, seven, eight guys in the van. <laughs> we drove down there to, uh, to do the show in, uh, at Camp Pendleton. On the way back, you know, uh, in the morning, we stop off up, uh, up, up, up by the grapevine up on South. There's a, mm -hmm. it was an all-you-can-eat uh, breakfast place up there. <laughs> and I remember we stopped off there, and uh, and we went in there. Yeah, there were like six guys, six big guys. We had Boom Boom Kamini, which was a big guy. Uh, we had uh, Bison Smith, another big, big guy. I remember who the, the other guys were. But, but, yeah, there was like six or seven of us there. And, uh, you know, all – good looking <laughs> strong guys and we cleaned up that all you can eat uh all you can eat <laughs> spot <laughs> restaurant yeah then we had all, all the mexicanos coming out of the kitchen they were like looking like what like who are these guys <laughs> just cleaned us out yeah <laughs> I that. that was a funny story a funny uh 
a funny story, yeah, that uh, that happened on the road, yeah. Were you a part? Were you a big part of uh, going back to APW uh, days? Were you a big part of their gym wars that they used to do at the garage? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Um, what was that like? It was great, yeah, because it was uh, it it was kind of it was kind of new, but uh, you know, uh, we had the crowds there little by little that were building up uh, the fan base. That it was a, a great way for us to get get experience out there and and wrestle these guys. Of course, all the guys that were they were up on top, uh, Modest and all those guys were were making their own. You know, they, they were the ones being featured up on top. Some of that newer guys that would come in, like, like Tony Jones, right away he got a big push and and got shot up to the uh, to the main eventers and 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 back then there was a little more a couple more fractions. The West Side Players was a big a big group that was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kami Kamozi and Jay Smooth, which is funny that now I work with Jay Smooth in the fire department. Years later, he, oh really? He made, he made it to the fire department. Yeah, I just I was just I was just looking at a uh, video on YouTube. It was like this little documentary of uh, Jr. Benson that I showed you earlier, mm-hmm. and Jay Smooth was in there with Modest. He, he was a lot. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, th- those guys were a big part of uh, of that, and uh, Vic Grimes. Was a big part of the of the Jim Wars back then. Him and Ernie O'Grady had some great matches, some great hard, hardcore matches. They were pretty legendary uh, back then. And, and of course, you know, I, I worked a lot of those guys. I worked uh, 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 Rick uh, Turner a lot back then. Rick Turner, Jason Clay, uh, Chris what was his name Chris uh, Chris Cole and his brother Bill Cole. Yeah, the two original Stoner brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, yeah, I hung out with those guys a lot after after the classes. Every boom, boom. Well, we, uh, yeah, we were always uh, in the parking lot after the classes and after the shows there quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. But good times, yeah, yeah. No, Jim Moore's was, was great, yeah. Like I said, I was, uh, I, I was part of mostly uh, a lot of the shows uh, growing up there between uh, the times that I stayed healthy and then the times that I had to take a break uh, to uh, to recuperate my body. Kind of kept me out of, out of the gym wars, and I would come back and and be part of there again, and then you know something else would happen. So like fuck, now I got to <laughs> take some more time off, and yeah, fuck. Um, the gym wars was great. Yeah, we finally uh, we finally got to a point where, where it was pretty big and it was pretty recognized, and and they had uh, some bigger names or, or younger people that are in the business now. That is kind of funny, like uh, like Samoa Joe, uh, H A Styles. Uh, uh, Daniel Bryant and all those guys came through there at one point, you know, that, mm-hmm. that it was crazy to, to, uh, to see those guys back then and, and see them now. Yeah. Now, during, now uh, during gym wars, they did have, uh, they did have like a Chicano flame two. And I think they had a Chicano flame three, right? They did. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of didn't, didn't agree with that too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know Chicano flame two was Jardy France. Mm-hmm. I really like that, like that kid, and uh, we made a good tag team, you know. That uh, did, uh, yeah. And I lend him some of my gear, and and we did pretty good, some good matches together as as the Chicano Flames one and two. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he kind of broke off. We had some good matches there. My first match versus mask was against him, against Chicano Flame two. Okay. Ended up we went in and unmasking him stuff, and he became part of the uh, the Mac Daddy promotion or whatever Mac Daddy group. The Mac Daddy, Crack Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, and then later on, uh, then later on when I got hurt, Roland wanted to keep, keep Chicano Flame around. So he says, oh, why don't we make uh, this guy Chicano Flame 3 to kind of keep the name around while I was, while I was injured. Mm. And then, then it kind of became, I kind of saw that it kind of became like a joke that they were starting to make Chicano Flame 4 and kind of put the mask on. On whoever. On, on whoever, yeah, they would get they would get beat up and thrashed, and uh, I think they put it on 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 uh, on Andrew. Uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, on on uh, on Andrew something that was there at the time too, and and he he gets credit for being at the Cow Palace in, in 07 at that Russell Fan Fest that that they had fiasco there at the at the Cow Palace back in that time. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. In his bio, yeah, they give him credit as being the Chicano Flame being there, which was just not true that I was there. Oh shit! But but yeah, but it, yeah, it turned out to be to be uh, 
more of a joke later on. That, like you said, yeah, they would put it on on whoever. Did the they mask think, on, didn't they put it on uh, Christopher Daniels one time? Wow, no, I don't remember that. Yes, <laughs> I can't. I can, Daniels, no. I remember that being a thing. I may, I may be wrong, but I don't know why. But I, it might be the guy that I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, 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 Andrew, what the hell was his name? Uh, he was a big part there, Andrew. Uh, Andrew Morgan. Or, oh, Donovan. Donovan Morgan. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, gonna, I was Donovan gonna say Morgan. Donovan, but I'm like, no, I, I, don't know. I think Andrews was first is his shoot name or something. Andrews is shoot name, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But yeah, Donovan Morgan. Yeah, they put it under him, and he kind of ran with it for a while, and, and was kind of doing good stuff. And oh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. That's that's where, yeah, I think they got the notion that uh, in 07, uh, uh, when I was part of. Uh, of that wrestling WrestleCon that they had here at the Cow Palace. I don't know if you attended that one. It was like a, a two night of uh, they brought all these remember, legends. I do remember it happening, but I wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah, two legends there, and I kind of got the name of the promoter that was running it, and, and I told him who I was and where I was from, and he he let me be in the Battle Royal uh, that night. And uh, I remember, yeah, uh, meeting Chavo Guerrero in the back, and yeah, we kind of hit it off a little bit, Chavo Senior. Oh, okay. The classic, yeah, and and then he was like, "Oh yeah, in the battle royal, just find me, and you know we'll stay together." And we did. We we went at it for a while, which was great. It was another one of my the biggest uh, the biggest uh, like victories for myself personally to be be in there and mixing it up with the Chavo okay. Guerrero, another guy that has a big family. a big long family <clears throat> yeah. family in 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 the in the lucha libre in Mexico. His dad teaming up with the uh, with El Santo, yeah. was it was a big uh, was a big uh, a big deal back then. Can you tell us about um, a time where you had a craz- crazy fan interaction uh, with the fans? You know, it's always been a, a, a pleasure one being being a babyface, a good guy for so long. Uh, you you always get that that cheer, especially the kids. I really enjoy the kids just mobbing you when they see you and stuff and. Uh, and and being in a mask after the after the shows, you know, you take it off and and you walk out and no one knows uh, no one knows who you are. So they don't they don't give you they don't give you any smack or they don't they don't even bother you because they just think you're you're just uh, you know they they don't know who you are. Yeah, they just think you're someone else and they're they're out there waiting for the rest of the guys to come out. So, yeah. so as far as the interaction, yeah, I don't think I I I. I uh, I've had any any negative ones. Uh, they've always been good ones. No one's ever challenged me at the end because at that point, because they don't know who who I am, you know. Yeah. And being a good guy, yeah, no one really wants to mess with that. <laughs> give a give the good guy a hard time. It's always the the, the heels that the, that they go after for some reason or another, <laughs> doing their job. Um. So kind of winding down a little bit here. Um. Anything from the business? Uh. All these years that you've been working, anything that you found disappointing? Uh, the payouts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but besides, besides the pay, uh, disappointing just, uh, how lately on, you know, that the Bay area wrestling thing kind of became clickish and stuff, you know, that, that if you, if you weren't part of this, this group, they weren't going to let you wrestle. If you didn't go to this school, they weren't going to use you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that's kind of, yeah. Disappointing. Uh, that that later kind of turned out to be a game of of, of that of that type of deal of uh, of using these guys and not using these guys. Uh, but no, but I I think later on, you know, you uh, you kind of see what the business is like, and 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 you see it for yourself, and and you hear stories, and and you kind of and uh, end up uh, accepting that this is the way uh, this business of ours is this uh, professional wrestling, uh, uh, especially at the independent level. This is the way it is, you know. You gotta have to roll with it, and sometimes take your lumps and and uh, and play those games uh, to get to get somewhere. Which is, I think that uh, back then in, in the APW days, I I didn't really hang around too much at the end of the classes, at the end of the shows, you know. That that thing, that kind of that kind of hurt me a little bit of of not not being part of the group, being part of the in group because I, you know, I I would do my stuff and, and do the show, and then you know pack my stuff and, 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 and go home that I wasn't, uh, that I know that, that kind of hurt, you know, that if I wish I would have stayed around long, longer, 
like after the shows, bond, after bond a little class. bit more. Yeah, yeah, bond a little bit more, and and kind of yeah, made some t- some tighter friends. Yeah, uh, they were they were they were running the shows uh, back then. Yeah, and with that, I just want to ask ask what your future plans are. I mean, after obviously after this COVID uh, thing passes, but I mean, you you mentioned that uh, you got about a year and you'd like to retire from firefighting, but what about uh, pro wrestling? From pro wrestling, um, this year will be 25 years since I started wrestling, you know. The 25 years in the, in the business uh, off and on, I think it's a good, pretty good, a pretty good deal, you know, that uh, before all this started, I was going off and on, helping, helping there at, at a Fox, at, at, a, at Gold Rush Wrestling mm-hmm. with his promotion there, going every, you know, once a month, once a couple once every couple months uh, with the students there. And I, I would kind of enjoy going, going to do that a little bit more. I know, uh, you know, that you get less opportunities to, to wrestle now with, with some of the bigger promotions, which is, which is kind of understandable, you know, that, that my style is not the same as it was back then or my look. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you get a, a little bit bigger belly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm sure it doesn't look good with uh, being out there. But, you know, I, I kind of enjoy every once in a while where I get, I get I do get to do some of those shows, either, you know, just to be there and just give, give the new kids a rub or just to help uh, help their, their stars that they got there growing, you know, just to have uh, someone to wrestle with, you know, to uh, put them over. Mm-hmm. And then doing the, the smaller shows with Victor and, and some other shows that have popped up here and there. And stuff. But, but yeah, you know, there, there comes a time where you kind of start thinking of, of, uh, of maybe hanging it up, you know, just because you don't want to uh, look bad out there do, doing it and stuff. And, and who knows now, you know, uh, taking these bumps when I come back, see how much that'll hurt on my body. And, and you know, I would hate to get hurt, to get hurt uh, this deep in my career or this deep in my age, you know, that, to have something more serious. Yeah. Happened to me, yeah. And I've always thought about maybe challenging for my mask like one 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 last time and maybe you know, uh unmasking, yeah. you know, at the end at the end of a of the career or something. Yeah. We gotta do a, a Super Diablo versus uh Chicano Flame, dude. Had the oh, uh, the OG mask on the line. The original mask guys, yeah. <laughs> uh I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there that, that uh, yeah, that that uh, they come to mind that I wouldn't mind uh, losing my mask to. Well, who knows? Or maybe just leaving with with it on. You know that. Yeah. That'd be kind of nice too. <laughs> yeah. Right on, man. Well, thank you, thank you for doing this interview. Uh, you know, it's always a pleasure speaking with you and running into you at uh, shows. I've run into you at uh, art galleries. Remember that art? Yeah, gallery? yeah. The, that art gallery was another good was another good one it was uh or the, or the one that they were, that we just ran into uh yeah and sound uh, kind of a couple of years ago but before that in that same gallery uh they were doing a wrestling show there doing some kind of different stuff but it was all oh, like yeah. wrestling stuff yeah la quebradora i think it was called yeah and i went in there and talked to the guy i was able to talk to me mascaras to come out and he did a lecture a lecture for that for that opening uh that night which was another great honor and then and then a couple months later, when they closed that that, that show, I brought me Masmas out again. I was able to tag team with him. Nice. Uh, down, downstairs, yeah, we put on a show, which was the only time that I promoted a show that I, that I paid for, you know. And I was able to have me Masmas as my as my partner in the same nice. corner. That was another highlight of my career, hanging out with him. Yeah. Those couple weekends that that, that he was out here and just talking to him. And his life story of that, what he went through, the the racism that was involved back in the '60s and '70s, yeah. work, work, working here in the United States, being one of the uh, one of the only Mexican guys uh, working the uh, working the territories, and like I said, everyone knows he was the first masked guy in Madison Square Garden. Before that, when guys would uh, would mask like the uh, uh, maybe like. Uh, like the superstar or, or, or the sport that would work at Madison Square Garden, they weren't allowed to work with the, with their mask on. Mm-hmm. They would have to work without a mask. And Mil Mascaras was one of the first guys, was the first guys, the first guy they wrestled with the mask at Madison Square Garden. He got that rule uh, overturned, uh, meeting with the mayor or whoever was in charge of, of uh, 
of setting those rules out there and, mm-hmm. and just all his life story and, 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 and me and him uh, back in those days of hanging out with him. Yeah. That was another great, great uh, feather in my cap for uh, my professional career that I never would have thought that I would being a kid, you know, that I, I would, I would be hanging out with that, with me and, and seeing him without his mask. Yeah. Well, thanks again, uh, Chicano Flame, for uh, doing this interview with us. And uh, this has been Indie Handshake, Edición de Lucha Libre. I am Jesus Cruz, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.